2024 as we dive into what's going on in the alternative currency space. I know cryptocurrency is here for that before ICOs, everything that is the future. I'm in Los Angeles, California, also sharing the same area code as me is Mr. William Quigley, who is sitting in his beautiful office of Opskins. What's going on, buddy? Hey, man. Doing well. Are, are you the CEO of two companies there? Yes. Okay. Opskins, which we just mentioned, and then Wax. That's right. And they're very different types of companies, right? Symbiotic, but different. One operates independent of it, the other one. Yeah. Wax is a token and a and a way to uh, transfer digital items, particularly video gaming items, to people. And uh, Opskins is like an eBay marketplace for virtual items. Now, I've been watching this whole virtual item space for a while. So have you, of course. Uh, one of our friends, uh, Mr. Brock Pierce, who's been playing in the virtual space, I want to say for almost the last 10 years, maybe more. I remember in 2007, we were in Korea together, and uh, he had a, a virtual asset company even back then. But what has happened was companies like Riot and these other companies have really closed that space up. They walled garden their assets, their, their digital assets. Is there an open line community for these assets to where if I buy it in one game, I could use it in another and another and another, or am I always closed up in that one game? Yeah, you are closed. Today, uh, you don't have multiple games and they, they allow uh, virtual items to go from one to the other. You can take that virtual item you used in one game if the video game company allows you to trade it, and you can trade it either for another item or for cash, and uh, that is what we call a secondary market in those items. But uh, Wax, in fact, is is really directly addressing this issue of the fact is more and more of what we own and what we pay for is in a digital format. And we really need to start allowing people who buy a digital thing, a movie, a, 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 a song, a video game object, uh, they need to be able to own that. And maybe it wasn't that important 20 years ago or 15 or 10 years ago when we had very little of our money in the form of digital assets. Now it's a lot, and, and the millennial generation particularly puts a lot of money in these assets. So Wax is making it so that you can own them, you can trade them, and they live outside of the, uh, the original creator of the item. But let's face something that has changed, and that is 10 years ago, we used to buy an MP3. Yeah, we used to buy a DVD with a movie on it. Today, it's streamed and we subscribe. Even yeah. uh, Scott Painter, who I wish you could have seen over the weekend, Scott is on the process of raising five billion dollars right now on his new company. Wow! And he's already raised two. He's saying that even the cars of the future, and he's saying the future next year, it's all subscription based. People are going to subscribe to a car and every couple of months get a new one or replace it. So if we're in a subscription mode, do I really care about owning an asset? Well, what you care about is once you acquire something, a digital object, and in the video game world, for instance, these things can cost thousands of dollars. 
If that video game company disappears, what happens to your object? It your IP is gone. If right. you okay. bought an object, or you let's say you spent 500 hours to earn an object in a game, that's worth maybe 500 hours at you know minimum wage, right? That's several thousand dollars. Why can't you convert that into something else? And and I do think more and more people are going to do that. Part of the reason people wanted to uh, pay every month for a subscription was because if they bought something, it had such limited use. Often yeah, but they couldn't transfer it. But William, is there a cross-transformation platform to where if I play something on one game platform, I could play it in another game platform? So if I'm playing in Riot and I want to go over to uh, some type of uh, uh, Steam platform, is there a cross-connection? No. So no. it doesn't really even exist yet, does it? No, and this is exactly what Wax is building. Wax is building a platform that allows people to trade or to sell digital property back and forth with one another. That's it's as simple as that. It sounds and, simple. Yeah, and you but you could say, I guess you could say, well, this is what a blockchain is, right? You own a Bitcoin, you send it to me. Now I own the Bitcoin. Right? I can send it to other people anywhere in the world for them to use it. So, but it's it's just, you know, that's a Bitcoin or a token. It doesn't actually, you know, do something within a video game. Well, we have uh, taken the last couple of weeks off. Uh, William and I have been traveling all over the world. I think you and I have done almost uh, maybe 10 different countries in the last three weeks. Uh, no, 12 maybe. So when we come back, we have many things to talk about. We'll talk about this thing called F-Coin. What is it? And how did it crash the Ethereum network? Bitcoin is on the rise. And are we on the march up in the price of cryptocurrencies? Netmask. Some describe it as the Ethereum browser. It was pulled from the Chrome store. Why? And what about those cryptocurrency exchange tokens? Are they worth buying? ICO activity. Are ICOs going strong just like they did last year? And finally, the big debate, protocols versus dApps. What does that techno mumbo jumbo really mean? And why should you care as a crypto investor? And we got listener email because you sent it to hello at coindmz.com. Episode 24, William Quigley, Ken Rakowski, and you are here hanging out with us on Coin. Coin DMZ episode 24, William Quigley, Ken Rakowski. We're looking at what's going on in the crypto and ICO and alternative currency space and digital asset space. Obviously, we expanded that. William is over at the WAC. I'm, do you have like different like offices or chairs or different phones you use? So if you're at WAX, do you have like a, a, a weird phone? And if you're over at Apskins, you have a strange chair? Do you have something like that? I do. Yeah, yeah. Different t-shirts. You know, t-shirts? Did you know that Steve Jobs had two different phones on his desk, one for Pixar and one for Apple. And he would not allow you to talk about Apple on the Pixar phone and vice versa. You had to physically call the other phone if you wanted to talk about Pixar and you've accidentally called him on his Apple phone. I get it, you know what I do? When I talk about Wax, I change my voice. <laughs> you have a different voice. He, he talks in, uh, 
uh, es- what's uh, what's that funky language? Uh, I don't know. Esperanza. Uh, yeah, that's what you do. It's all an Esperanza. <laughs> so, hey, we have a lot to talk about. Like I said, we've taken a couple of weeks off. Summer, it seemed like there may have been a lull. I just talked to a mutual friend of ours, James Sun, who was at a crypto conference in Seoul, and he personally felt a large percentage of the attendees were kind of scummy, meaning it, it, it didn't feel like reputable companies that were attending the event. Now, he attended multiple ones, so I'm not giving away which event he was at. I'm wondering, has the ICO space cleaned up to where it's not a lot of scammy things going on, or are we still kind of swimming and trying to figure out what's going on? Well, I would put it this way, uh, and James's observation is probably accurate, but I'd also say Anytime you get something really popular where there's money to be made, you attract the right elements and you attract some of the wrong elements. There, it's, it's like every other investment cycle I've ever been in. You see when real estate's going up, there's really reputable real estate developers, and then there's guys you really wouldn't want to do business with. So it is buyer beware. When you're at mm-hmm. any of those conferences or you're, when you're evaluating an investment in the crypto space, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be thoughtful and do your diligence. I get it, but even the best of them out there, like yourself, sometimes you can't even call them. I'm just saying, you know, if you've seen Sasha Baron Cohen's new TV show, which is on Showtime, have you seen it? I haven't. So, I mean, he he got Dick Cheney to autograph a waterboard kit. Okay? I'm just saying. Because they set up websites and email addresses and Wikipedia pages. I mean, they went deep on these fictitious characters to trick these people to be on the show. Now, this is just a regular TV show that's not making any massive amounts of money and doing anything. These ICOs, they're making millions and millions of dollars for them to look real where they're really fraudulent or they decide not to put a lot back. You know, how about these ICOs that raise 20, 30 million dollars and all they do is they put a million dollars back into development and the rest the founders take in cash. Yeah, and all I can say about that, you're right. All I can say about that is, and again, it's buyer beware. If, uh, uh, you know, you you don't know enough about these management teams. If you don't know anything about their previous investors, uh, you don't know much about the market they're going after. I mean, this is risky stuff. Okay. So if I see Andre the Giant on the board of one of those companies, I'm going to have to question the legitimacy, right? Possibly. possibly. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. And you know, you, hey, you is- joke, but not that long ago uh, in, in China, um, there were ICO scams where people were taking LinkedIn profiles of real people and copying them into their ICO white papers. And so people were like, well, look at there. These are real guys. Wow. Yeah. All right. So what is this thing called F coin? Yeah. Appropriately named. So, uh, we had a lot of stuff to talk about today, so I'll be fast on this one. Um, First of all, the fact that a lot of people have not heard of Fcoin and that a lot of people are are not aware that the Ethereum network, we call it the main net. That means the, um, the network that the Ethereum miners are running, that all your Ethereum tokens go back and forth on. Because you can fork it, at Ethereum, and then you'd be on a different network. But the main Ethereum network absolutely crashed less than a month ago. 
And I happened to be the CEO of the company that was probably most directly harmed. And the reason is we had launched a new Ethereum-based token called Vigo. And it was like a video game-based token. And it very quickly in a couple of days became the most traded item on the Ethereum network other than the tokens, wow. right? Wow. And we were not really that happy with the Ethereum network. Uh, in order to create a digital item, it costs 50 cents. In order to trade it once we created it uh, from a smart contract, it costs about 15 cents. And it took about 90 seconds to create it. When okay. Fcoin, which is an exchange in China that did some scammy promotion, when it said, hey, everybody, do a certain thing with your Ethereum tokens, all these idiots did that with their Ethereum tokens, and the network simply froze. Oh. To give you a sense, the way we clear prices, the way we clear transactions in blockchains is if you want it, you got to pay. So with all this sudden spike in traffic, the Ethereum miner said prices just went up. So I'm running a business and I'm creating these little tokens for 50 cents. They go to $50 to create. Whoa. To transfer that item, it goes from 15 cents to 75 cents. And to create it takes 17 hours, not 90 seconds. It's not feasible. You could not run your platform on that platform. We were going to go out of business. And there were two things that were crazy. First, that a network, a blockchain, because it's open and permissionless, meaning anyone can use it, that somebody could just go do a promotion that would simply swamp it. Swamp it is bad. But you know what was almost worse? Nobody cared. This is what was crazy. I wait, was, wait, when you say nobody, nobody as in whom? I mean, go look up to see if there was much written about this. Go look up to see if everybody was screaming. No, pretty much people weren't screaming. And the reason they weren't screaming was because no one is operating a mission-critical business on the Ethereum mainnet. No one except Wax. So what happened was I told my team, we are going to die if we do not get off this Ethereum blockchain. Now remember, Wax is building its own blockchain, but that won't be ready until near the end of the year. So we took a alpha, alpha, alpha version of what we were doing, and we just spooled that up. Now, it had the benefit for us of being in our control. And we not allowing these idiots to throw a ton of traffic and spike it and cause everything to skyrocket in terms of mining prices. But it was incredibly disruptive. So I will never, ever, ever run a real business on any blockchain's main network. Well, are you saying, William, that you have your own now blockchain? You, we are you running our own version. Right. It's our own so, version now. And it is permission-based, not permissionless. Right, because we are the node. So uh, as a result, we're not letting Fcoin fools go and swamp our network. So the reason I bring this up to your uh, listeners and my listeners is this, uh, and this we could dedicate a whole series of discussions around, but just this, the concept of a blockchain 
where it's public and anybody can go on and create an account and trade stuff back and forth is great. But there's this notion in economics called the tragedy of the commons, which means if nobody owns it, then no one takes care of it and no one polices it and everybody dumps their garbage on it. Well, we are now seeing that phenomenon being applied to the blockchain. You know what you just did? Wait, you just did exactly what everyone would think on the contrary. It's a permission-based centralized system, right? This is the controversial point. Obviously, this is a blockchain show and we have all kinds of things we like about the blockchain. But you know what? Decentralization, which also means no one person to control or to regulate who uses something, creates a massive problem. And that massive problem is you can't, you can't regulate the bad guys from overusing it or misappropriately using it to an extent that it causes no one else to be able to use it. I get it. So the advantage is you control it. The disadvantage is people have to find it. Uh, you're saying a centralized blockchain. Yeah, your centralized system. Yeah, People so have to find it. centralized system, right. I mean, the advantage is it works. And the disadvantage is, I don't know what. The main disadvantage, I guess you would say, is, well, uh, maybe people wouldn't trust a network if it's ruled by one group. Now, by the way, this is a stopgap measure for us. We are rolling out the full-blown WAX blockchain, but it's in development still. It's not ready yet. So we had a Got choice. It. Die by using and go bankrupt using the Ethereum blockchain. So we're selling items for $2 to $5, and it's costing us $50 to- No, you die. You, you, you die. You die. It's ridiculous. And this is ultimately, Ken, this is the great challenge of the blockchain industry. How do enterprises, meaning big corporations, use a network when it's simply unreliable? It goes back to, remember the shared cable networks everybody had in their house? What would happen you're, at 7 o'clock when everybody got home and all went on? You're talking about, we used to call them party lines. Yeah. Okay, people may not realize this, but and we experienced it in our home and in our college, and that is we all had one line that connected all of our telephones. So if I would pick up the telephone and my neighbor was on the phone, I would be part of their conversation. Right. And uh, uh, that was a train wreck. <laughs> that was a train. And you know what the funny thing is? There's tons of chat rooms like that to this day, right? People just want to jump in and community line wise. You just can't do that. And I get what you're saying. Now you have a performance metric that works right. You're in control of it. You're a legitimate company, so it works. Hey, let's skip to this real quick. Bitcoin finally sees a zero with a belt. What's a zero with a belt? I don't know. I've never heard that term. It's an eight. See if a, 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 a zero put a belt on, it'd be an eight. It's finally 8,000. Yeah. Finally. Man, it's been hovering around that five and six and seven. Man, getting to eight was uh, it was it was a I mean, hurdle. It took hours, days. Superhero powers, but it has been really wallowing for a while. What's your thought? Right, right. And you know what? Here's what I would say about that from my perspective. First, it went from nine hundred to twenty thousand in one year in 2017. You know, from January to December, it kind of deserved to take a break. Uh, we then saw in the first half of this year, it dropped to as low as what? 6,000. Mm -hmm. uh, so lots of people are, you know, underwater. But it's six months, right? 
So uh, the thing we always have to remember about crypto is what we think of as a very short time when you own a stock, a couple of years, people think that's a lifetime in crypto. Um, there's lots of reasons why it dropped for, you know, lots and lots of reasons, people taking profits. There are also a lot of uh, people who blame uh, something they were cheering before, which is the futures market. So I'll, I'll tell your, your, your listeners this, the, uh, uh, if you don't have an ability to short a security or short any kind of thing, if you don't have the ability to do that, it's generally just gonna keep going up in price. So for the longest time, you could only go long on Bitcoin. You couldn't short it, not, not in any kind of easy way. Well, when the Chicago Mercantile Exchange introduced last December, the ability to short Bitcoin by buying these futures, these Bitcoin futures, you gave this tool that didn't exist before. I thought when, uh, when the formal futures markets started getting developed last year, I figured, yeah, of course, the prices are going to drop because of it. I don't think it's the only reason, but it's certainly one I, I think I think and media so windows are part of this, too. Um, I'm, I'm going to stress how easy it is to manipulate the crypto market. If you and I, if you and I wanted to go mess with, let's say, Tron, okay? I don't know what Tron's trading at, maybe four cents. And we wanted to drop by... 30%. It's a massive amount. Yeah. I mean, it's what, you know, Facebook dropped by 20% recently. But if you and I wanted to do that, we can somehow manipulate a story that will get inside the media cycle, that will scare people to dump out of Tron, knowing that you and I are going to buy it on its bottom. You, I, I'm yeah. just saying right now, it's too easy to manipulate the market. It, yes, yes, it's true. Well, first, remember, because these are not these uh, tokens are not sold on just one exchange. They're sold on hundreds, thousands of exchanges. It's a yeah. global phenomenon. There's no one policeman who can say, hey, that press release is phony. Or in the case of NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange, when something odd, like a story saying the management team all went down on a boat, uh, goes out there, they freeze yep. trading. But there's no ability to do that in a decentralized system like the blockchain. So as a result, okay, the bad guys go and they send out false signals hoping to make a profit. That's just the immaturity of the industry. Yeah, but today. there's also consequences too. You have the SEC that will go after somebody that published something that was deliberately there to fraudulent people. Well, if they can yeah, get yeah. them, if, yeah. if they're in the US. But you know it's happened. It's happened before in the past. We've seen it. There's consequences. Yeah. We don't have that. So your point is that Bitcoin prices and crypto prices can be more easily manipulated with fake news than, let's say, a regular stock. And that's true. And that's another thing to be aware of. Here's what I would say, though. This is probably the reason why if you hear some random piece of news, you know, chill a little and try to figure out what it really means and if it's even real before you say, let me dump all that's my right. I agree with that. Uh, MetaMask, uh, it's a Ethereum browser. I think I used it. Thanks. Yeah, I think I used it. Yeah. Uh, it's a plugin uh, that plugs in on Chrome. And uh, yeah, yeah it looks like uh, not just Chrome, but we're seeing Google and Facebook being much more aggressive when it comes to anything that is deemed crypto right now. Matter of fact, they pulled this browser. Yeah, but let me say this about uh, MetaMask first. Uh, 
you know, MetaMask is like the browser for the Ethereum network, right? right? If you want to use these NFT tokens, what they also call ERC-721 tokens, to play your game, you need to do it through MetaMask. The, it's an open source Ethereum wallet. But, and, and this is no disrespect to the guys who built it because they did it for free, it's an open source thing, but it is terrible. It is awful. I mean, it makes the mosaic browser that Mark Andreessen took and improved and called Netscape, it makes the that thing look like a product that came out of the Apple out of corporation. NASA. MetaMask is a horrendous uh, uh, consumer experience. It's okay. just terrible. It's hard to use, it's clunky. But the worst part about it is, uh, and this your, your audience may not know, so I'm gonna tell them something. Anything you touch in the Google Chrome store is, is dangerous. The Google Chrome store is a cesspool of malware. The Google Chrome store is almost a criminal place. And I mean that because it is totally unpoliced. You know when you go and you download something from Google Play or from Apple, you kind of have some confidence that it's not malware. You know why? Because those guys demand that the guy who puts an app in their store has to give his bank statement, he has to give his passport, he has to give all of his corporate information. So if you do something bad, they're coming after you. Why do they do that? Because they make money in their app stores. So Google Chrome Store, which is a place you can download apps that work in your browser, Google makes no money on those. So you know how well it polices it? Really poorly. And so what's happened, and this happened to my company, Opskins, what happens is bad guys go and say, hey, you're Opskins customer. You want to know how to check the prices on Opskins items really well in different currencies? Download the Opskins Chrome extension. Now, what it really is, is a piece of software that when you use your browser and you type in Opskins, it takes you to a fake site where it then collects your credit card information and rips you off. Now think about all the bad guys who are like, oh, the MetaMask Chrome extension. Why don't I make something called MetaMask Chrome extension plus and you'll put in your crypto information and I steal it from you. So it's incredibly dangerous to have a wallet a crypto wallet that is connected to your browser, right? But it is really dangerous when the bad guys decide to exploit it. So I don't think, by the way, that Google is going to keep this Google Chrome uh, extension, the MetaMask, off the Chrome store. But uh, because I think what they meant to do is to remove the fraudulent one. And I think they removed the good one, which means the fraudulent one is still there. <laughs> It's a mess. Can it's you a please mess. at so, least uh, be a little more PC politically correct? It's not bad guys. It's bad persons. Bad okay. people. You're Just right. Just be very Jewish. Right, because yeah. there's some women there could out there. Be, and there, I mean, you and I know a bunch of them. So be gender yes. neutral when it comes to bad. Okay, please. That's a very good oh, idea. Got to crook this guy. So guys, I would say this. Uh, if you're using MetaMask, be aware it is inherently wow. unsafe for your cryptos. And... Uh, by the way, Wax is creating a far better way to trade your Ethereum tokens that does not involve any weird thing with your browser so you get results. Sounds like this show is sponsored by Wax. That's what it's sounding like. Opskins. We also, 
are a table wax. We'll do great uh-huh. stuff for your car. All right. Episode 24, Coin DMZ. William Quigley sitting over there in Santa Monica. I'm somewhere near the beach. I think my view's a little better, but his is going to get a lot better, I heard. Right? Things are changing for you guys. Is that true? Oh, you mean we're going to be moving Yeah, I hear you getting point? a brand new office. I think so. Yeah, will you get monkey bars? Yeah. Uh, you know what, to get you to come I over will here, get monkey will. bars, all right. Hey, what about those uh, crypto ex- uh, exchange tokens? Are they worth buying? Yeah. So, so many people ask me about these. They're like, hey, Binance yeah. has, has an exchange, has its own token. Um, the uh, 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 KuCoin, yep. which is connected with the uh, uh, whatever it is, Cacao Exchange, uh, you've got... Uh, a whole bunch of others. Wabi. Wabi is a big exchange in Asia. There's a Wabi token. So uh, B-Box and so forth. So these are uh, cryptocurrencies that were issued by crypto exchanges. Okay, so let me make sure I understand. So So it's as if I was on NASDAQ. I would actually buy the NASDAQ share. They had their own stock themselves too, right? Yes. Okay, so there's a problem with this. I've been helping out a bunch of um, tokens, and in order to get on those exchanges, we have to physically buy those exchanges' tokens. It what sucks. is the deal with that? It's extortion. Well, the deal with that is what they—it's—it's it's clever, but as the British say, it's—it's it's, uh, you know too clever by half. So, what? Someone in the crypto field realized was, wow, we're an exchange. Let's issue a token. They issue a token. Now, how can we get people to use our token? Well, let's require anybody who wants to operate on our exchange to pay the fees in the form of our token, which would be really helpful for that token and go up in price, but it's really inconvenient, right? And so uh, what most of them do now is they don't require you to buy their token, but the fees are much lower if you pay the fees in their token. And it's still what I would say is kind of inconvenient. The main reason I would give caution to buying these tokens is if you go to CoinMarketCap and you look at how much volume these tokens do, it looks pretty impressive. And there's probably 10 or 11 of these tokens in the top 100 tokens in terms well, of market Well, Binance cap. would probably be the biggest one, right? Yeah, Binance. Binance, yeah, yeah, $13.27, and you're right. By the way, $1.2 billion market cap. So now what you would do, and I would say put Binance aside for a second because they they are clearly the biggest. But if you look at a lot of these, here's what you'll see. All the volume that these things are doing, they're doing for their coin on their exchange. And in fact, there's many of these exchange tokens where 100% of the trading volume of their token is on their exchange. That's not a broadly distributed token. And then you have to start wondering whether that volume is real. And then you have to wonder whether the market cap is real based on that volume. So I would say, be very cautious. Most of these exchange-based tokens do not have a viable use outside of paying for the fees to use their exchange, which I don't think is a long-term sustainable model. Okay, got it. But you're just not in favor of it because it's not a widely distributed token either. Uh, And they're kind of gaming the system. Well, here's what I would say. 
if, if the tokens had some great use, great, but it seems to me to be more about the exchange trying to figure out a way to get more out of its customers. Got it. All right. That's fair enough. Hey, uh, ICOs, do you know how the ICO market looked in 2016? Broadly, what I was, do, yeah. Or 16, 16, very, very, very small. small. About yeah. what, $2 billion maybe? I would have guessed less than two billion, maybe uh, five hundred million to. So, two thousand seventeen had a look. It went up a lot. Uh, five and a half billion dollars in generally in Ethereum was raised by about three hundred and fifty companies in twenty seventeen. And as we're halfway through through twenty eighteen, how's the market look now? Well, in twenty eighteen, so far we have uh, we've eclipsed. Uh, ICOs have raised more than in 2018, halfway through the year, than was raised for all of 2017. Um, I would say we are, um, even if you take out Telegram, now Telegram did a billion seven, but even if you take out Telegram, you're, you're at maybe four and a half billion dollars halfway through the year. If you figure you do that same amount, the second half, you're at nine billion versus uh, uh, five and a half billion in 2017. So you would say, wow, this thing's growing like nearly a hundred percent year over year, which you and I have talked about this. The ICO model is outstanding. It's great for on so many levels. And as a result, lots of people want to use it. And the more uh, people learn about it, the more companies learn about it, the more uh, investors learn about it, I think the more popular uh, it's going it to be. It is not perceived as a great model for the traditional venture capitalists. Uh, you said it's not perceived yeah, by? by meaning the legacy VCs that are out there. They're having a hard time yeah. wrapping their minds around it. You know, when people get old, their minds move more slowly. You know, they, they limp along. Did you get your art card recently? <laughs> Did you get What's your that? ARP card? You do have an ARP card, don't you? <laughs> no one would know that that's a, a Yeah, everyone knows what it is. Man. Yeah, they don't give it the 35. Hey, when you hang out, when you hang uh, out with older guys, or excuse me, older people, gender neutral again, and you explain, yeah. like, for example, you were doing sushi last night at a nice place, and you were hanging out with uh, one of the older guys that tries to look like he's a teenager. You know what I'm talking about, the guy from Pretty Woman. From Pretty right. Woman, I do know this guy. And you yeah. start explaining this whole concept of an ICO. Does he get it? I mean, he's a, a fairly sophisticated investor. Yeah. So what I would say is, you know, as he was eating his mashed potatoes. With his 13-year-old right? girlfriend. Well, excuse me, 19-year-old girlfriend. Go ahead. From Russia. Uh, we're making such fun of him. Uh, Yes, our friend, who is a Wall Street, very sophisticated very. guy, he he totally appreciates the attraction of the ICO model as a financing event and as a way for people to participate in a company's future. So the people. Yeah, but is he them. an investor? Does he get the investment side for himself? Going, yep, I'm going to put money in that company. I would say. I bet you this year he really? does, but you know, look, as you know, Ken, I was a venture capitalist for two decades. And now for me, the worst part about uh, the venture capital model is you invest in a startup and you get these things called common stock or preferred stock, but they're not traded on 
stock exchanges. You got to do an IPO for that. And it can take 10 years before your company's ready to be an IPO. So basically you put in a million dollars and you wait 10 years to get any liquidity. And you know what? Your situations change in I 10 it. years. Sometimes you like some But the liquidity. problem is, wait, 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 no. let's be fair enough. Your biggest problem as a VC, and you're not a VC anymore, you're recovered, is control. You want control because you believe you need to have that control because it is going to take 10 years for you to get an exit on this. That board seat. So I would say, I would say to you that that is a common a common belief, but it's not, it's not absolute. For instance, if you said to me as an investor, would you rather be able to control the board of the company, control the direction of the company to make sure no mischief happens and things go awry? Or would you rather not be able to control it? You might influence it through your opinion, but you don't control it. But at any time, if you so desire you can sell your stake in that company i would much rather have i that. agree but again you have some legacy thinking out there through gender neutral investors that want to make sure they have that board seat because they are going to think that that and you know what i would even go a step further ken as i became an enlightened venture capitalist <laughs> uh i ultimately came up with a point of view that was radically different than most VCs. Being on the board was actually a handicap to me doing a good job as a VC. I grew to not believe that being on the board of that company was, was necessary in order to protect my investment. And so I would say, you know, when I came upon the whole ICO phenomenon, as, as I mentioned, my partner and I invested in the very first ICO called MasterCoin. And when we started to really think about it, we said, this is, this is just a better way of doing financings for, for private companies. Absolutely. Hey, last story before we get to listener email. Let's talk about this idea of protocols versus dApps. You understand this? I mean, yeah. it, it sounds like wizardry. What are we talking about here? Right. Protocols versus dApps. Again, you want to call them dApps or dApps? Come on. Well, I call them All dApps. Right, fine. But because they are distributed applications. So the way to think about it is protocols. In the old days, in the old internet days, we used to call this infrastructure companies. So in the current, uh, you know, version of this, we call them protocols. So protocols are like Ethereum and Bitcoin and Tron and Stellar and uh, Hashgraph. So these are the blockchains that other people build applications on top of them. Protocols are like the internet and the applications are like the websites, right? So, and by the way, if you carry that analogy forward, uh, you start to think the way I think as an investor, which is maybe these protocols, these mini internets, like all the blockchains I've referred to, maybe they've been a really good investment so far, but in the end, what did better? Uh, Cisco or Google? or Cisco, or Amazon. Cisco was what we call infrastructure. They're the guys who built these routers that allowed the internet to work. So 
they're what you would call the protocol tokens of today. That would be Cisco. And the dApps would be the equivalent of the Amazons and the Facebooks and the Googles. And as it turned out, now that we know how this movie ended, ultimately the value that was created from the internet was mostly captured by the websites or the, the search engines. So the things that sat on top of the internet. So this is a thesis of mine for, for cryptocurrencies and blockchain. I believe things like Ethereum and EOS and even the Bitcoin blockchain, I believe those have been great and they're, they, they provide a very important transportation layer for these tokens to go back and forth. But that over time, the value will accrue to the dApps. Dapps, frankly, like what we're building at Wax, which is the thing that you as a person interacts with. You know, when you want to buy merchandise, you don't actually interact with the internet. You know, you're not tunneling in and seeing a bunch of weird mumbo jumbo software, though you could. What you're doing is you're going on what we call an application layer, and that's a website like Amazon. Amazon doesn't pay too much to the internet CEO. And that's a joke because there's not an internet CEO. It pays some amount to data centers and some amount to the telecom companies, but relatively little of what it makes, it has to pay for that. The internet is what we call a very low cost public utility. Well, think of Ethereum and EOS and, and Bitcoin. Similarly, these are utilities that we build our businesses on. And in the end, what is going to extract the most value is the thing that has the brand recognition with the consumer, and that's the dApps. So guys, the next five years, I believe you will see the value in the cryptocurrency space shifting to the dApps, the tokens that are actually doing something that the consumer interacts with. Another great example, since you went pretty deep with this, Netflix versus AT&T. Yes, exactly right. Netflix okay. versus AT&T. AT&T, though, does have a brand, so we'll... They do. And by the way, AT&T... utility, right? But look how long they've been around. I mean, if you think about the... the it, let's, let's call it Ma Bell, per se. They're $185 billion right now in What's market that? cap. $185 billion. AT&T. Netflix is around 158 billion. Amazing. Okay. What what blows my mind even more William is this. Think about Disney. When you think about Disney, you think about what? You think about Disney World, Disneyland, all of these employees, 260,000 employees. Their studios, their IP, all this location. When you think about Netflix, you think about a server That's right. <laughs> sitting somewhere. And they're almost the same market value. I, I know. It, it's truly fascinating. And this is, you know, part of it is what we call the multiple. The multiple is the... Um, the, the amount that your stock trades at, and it's a multiple of, let's say, the earnings you're making, or if you're really lucky, the revenue you're making. And when people, when the stock market thinks you're growing fast, they apply a high, a high multiple. They might say, I'm going to value your company at 10 times your revenue. When they think you're not growing fast, they may value your company at one times your revenue. So 
the multiple is huge and the multiple for wall streeters is always based on your future expectations your future growth so in the case of netflix a lot of people think wow they're the they're the the on-ramp to how people are going to consume digital entertainment now maybe they are maybe they aren't but that's the belief uh, right now, though, if you take a look at all of the market capitalization in the crypto space, it's mostly around these protocols, this infrastructure that drives the transport layer. Uh, and as I said, I just believe over time, as companies that have really valuable consumer services are built on blockchain, they're going to command a bigger share. So, hey, we get emails all the time, constant emails. Yes. And we're going to open up that mailbag. Hello at CoinDMZ.com. That's where you send your emails. And William, I have the emails on this side, so I'm going to read them to you. And you give me your words of wisdom on what you think about this. This first one's coming from Scott Smith. I believe he's in Orange County. And he says, why are U.S. citizens barred from particular are from participating, excuse me, in some ICOs. Well, that's a decision by the issuer, the creator of the token in the ICO. And the simple reason I would tell you is, uh, there's a concern on the part of that issuer, and maybe it's a group of people in, I don't know, Germany, where they don't know what the regulations require them to do to sell to U.S. citizens. So what they do is they say, since we're not sure of the regulatory landscape, we're just going to prevent anyone from the U.S. to buy our token. So this is, would be an example, by the way, of the, uh, of the downside of, quote, regulation. If the regulation is smart, that's great. But when there's regulatory uncertainty, the cautious people will just say, let's not even sell to those Americans. All right, there you go. This has come from Helena L., who's from Stockholm. How do tokens get their names? Well, the, the tokens get their names the same way companies get their names. It's a group of people who are creating it say, I want to call it X, right? Uh, WAX got its name because it was an acronym for Worldwide Asset Exchange. Right? You know, could have been something else. Uh, uh, so it's just the individual choices of the people, and most people try to give it a name that's memorable. Maybe it's not too difficult to spell. Would it, could you imagine if your acronym was buy untethered tokens? It'd be but. I mean, really. Ken, that's, would, you, you should be a naming expert. <laughs> uh, this is coming from Ellie Rowland from Sydney. Will Netflix, Amazon, and other big companies have their own tokens to utilize just on their sites? And that is a great question and one that we can only speculate on. Here is what I would say is, here's my guess. Do companies issue like... Uh, rewards tokens, reward points, and whatnot, they do. So if you think about a token that the users of a service could get, maybe pay for it, uh, pay for the services from that token, it seems like a logical leap that eventually bigger companies will have their own token. Well, uh, like Qantas, would Qantas have it? Would you know, I, Star I, I would say I expect it'll happen, but... Uh, you've got CFOs and lawyers in those companies who want to make sure they're, they're in compliance with all the rules of their country or wherever it is that they sell their products and services. So those guys are going to be very cautious. 
And my guess is it's going to be a while before there's enough regulatory clarity for big companies to issue their own tokens. All right. Last one's coming from Tony Ray from Victoria, B.C. What is the best crisp? What are the best crypto conferences to go to and how much should they generally cost? Uh, first, there are. I remember you, Ken, one day said to me the number <laughs> day. seventeen, and you said, "What does the number seventeen mean, William?" And I said, "Don't know." And you said, "That's the number of crypto conferences going on right now, somewhere in the world." It's uh, crazy. The best conferences to go to. This is coming from a guy who has to get on planes a lot. It are the ones that you can drive to. So that's number one, and it really comes down to now because there's thousands of crypto conferences. I would say go to the one that matches your level of, let's say, uh, education about the crypto space. So if it's like, you know, a uh, crypto conference aimed at people just learning about it, and you're just learning about it, obviously go to that one. Uh, there are conferences now, I would say, that break into two branches. Crypto conferences for investors, so people who want to buy these tokens, and crypto conferences for people who want to build companies on blockchain technology. So I'd say kind of pick which one is the one that interests you. And there are so many of these conferences that unless you are like, I don't know, in Antarctica, uh, there's probably one within driving distance you can go to. I'd also say you don't have to go to that many that often because there's so much information on the internet about what's yeah. going on in the crypto space. It's really going to these things in order to develop relationships with people who are in the space. You can get a lot of the information online. All right, next week we'll be back. And actually we'll have a special guest with us next week. We're looking at um, a different funds that use crypto buy and sell inside those environments. If you want to find William or myself, it's hello at coindmz.com. William, episode 24, we've been doing this more than a half a year, congratulations. Feels like a lot longer. You got a lot more gray hair. I'm looking at you now. And if people want to find out more about Ops, or, oh, by the way, new video you can go check out over at the Opskins website or on YouTube. Have you seen it? Uh, yes. Uh, You're starring in it. Oh, well, yeah, small role. Uh, I, I love seeing Tom Cruise in that video. Uh, Is that him? That yeah, was Tom? I think that video is up on uh, wax.io. Uh, there's a video which basically talks about, it's kind of a funny take on the amazing application of blockchain in the video game industry. That's it. Go find that. William, thanks a lot for hanging out. You've been listening to episode 24 right here on Coin DMZ. Sorry.